the beginning of every year, we take an opportunity to talk about who we are, what's our identity as a house, as every nation, Somerset West. And you know what? We've got to do this often. Vision is one of those things that you've got to keep reminding yourself why you're doing what you do, what's the purposes of it, how do we do it, and where are we going with it. As a dad in my house, I need to often remind my household what our values are, how we think and how we steward things, how we act on certain things and what we trust God we've got to do for. And in the same way, it's important for us as a church to stop and be reminded of vision. And I hope this morning that you would leave here not only with a clear idea of our vision, but I've got something much better that I want to present to you this morning, God's idea of His church. Because you see, every vision of His church in a local context, wherever it is around the world, has to align to what He thinks and sees. And during our pre-service prayer this morning, we took a moment just to think about of that glorious day when the bridegroom is going to come for his bride. For those of you who are married, for those of you who are preparing to be married, for those of you, and especially the girls who've been dreaming about the wedding day, wow, there's an anticipation and excitement, and sometimes you hold your breath when you think about that moment where the bridegroom and the bride comes together and the joy and the celebration and the anticipation. And God used that imagery in his word and it's one of the metaphors of how he sees us, his church, in relation to him. And we sang it this morning. What a glorious day to behold when we all bow our knees and everyone say, Jesus is Lord. And that's the purpose of the church is to become ready and bring others in to be ready for that moment where every tongue and tribe will confess his lordship. I can't wait for that moment. I shared with the worship team this morning, I said, imagine the biggest stadium multiplied by 10,000 and you are in that stadium and you're surrounded by myriads of people and on the benches in the far corners are the angels and you're already waiting for an empty stage and onto the empty stage steps Jesus. Can you imagine the emotion in that moment, can we sing and be the church from that perspective? That we are anticipating a day where nothing else counts. That we would let go of the lesser things in life to make Jesus our ultimate price, our greatest treasure, and of highest value. So I wanted to set the tone that vision for us as a church this morning is that. Dreaming of the vision one day where Jesus is going to step into this world. And he's going to make all things new for eternity. Vision keeps us moving in God's direction. Vision keeps us going amidst adversary and trials. Vision aligns our methods, our motives, and our mission with the dream that Jesus Christ has for his bride and for his church. That's why vision is important. We've got to have vision at all times. We can never lose the vision of what church and Jesus is all about. And it starts with him, with his idea of what it should look like. This morning, I want to remind us that the vision that God declared for his church is endlessly established. I want to say that again. The vision that God declared for his church is endlessly established. I want to be a little bit vulnerable with you this morning. I pulled the team together on Monday and I said, guys, I want to check a few things with you. It's Vision Sunday and traditionally or culturally, the idea is that I should come up with, it is the year 2019. It's the year for things you haven't seen. Some clever, you know, rhyme. And we, we discussed it as a team. There it is. 
And you know what? We paused and we said, wait a minute. Do we for one moment think that the vision God has for his church ever changed? So why do we feel this temptation or this pressure to come up with the hit word for the year and then everything has got to be through that lens where he has given us the blueprint of what he sees when he thinks about his church? And I want to remind us of this today when we start is that God's vision for his church has been declared and it's endless and it keeps going. And it's still the same yesterday, today, and forever. Right in the beginning, God said, and since he said, the whole story is based upon what he says and what he thinks. Colossians 1, one of my favorite scriptures, I'm going to read it to us again, talks about Jesus. And it's in light of the church and the vision he has for church. He says, Christ is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. He was there from the start. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth. That includes us, the church, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. When he created all things, he had an endless vision for everything that he created. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning. So this morning our departure point is Jesus as the head of this house. And it's our end point and it's our midway point. It's our constant point is that Jesus have a vision for his church and we get to be part of that as every nation sums away. Vision Sunday is to redeclare and to realign. It's an opportunity to again declare what God has already said. And then it's an opportunity for all of us to investigate our hearts and say, am I aligned to this vision of what God sees when he looks at his bride, his body. So this morning we have two goals. It's to redeclare our specific vision as every nation summers a waste within his endless vision. So I want you to get this. It's important to understand that God loves that there's multiple expressions of his church. In fact, I believe it's by his design. And the enemy loves using that and turning brothers in Christ against one another. But imagine we all looked the same, thought the same, did the same, it would have been pretty boring. But he chose that his church would display his glory in many ways and different ways in different cultures, nations and places. And therefore it's important for us to understand what every nation of the West looks like in the bigger scheme of his endless vision. Therefore we've got to stop and remind ourselves what our specific vision is within the endless vision that he has for his church. So this morning, we're gonna redeclare that over this house. And then secondly, we're gonna realign our hearts, our passions, our focus, our lifestyles to that endless vision. It's an opportunity for each one of us to stop and say, God, is my heart still aligned to what you see when you think of your church? So let's start with our specific vision as every nation summons the West before we talk about the big idea of God's vision for his church. First of all, we are a Christ-centered, spirit-empowered, socially responsible church. This is important. We are a Christ-centered, spirit-empowered, socially responsible church. And this is also the vision that links us to our global family because this is the global vision of every nation churches across the globe. The global vision is that we exist to honor God by establishing Christ-centered, spirit-empowered, socially responsible churches and campus ministries in every nation. 
So if you walk through the door of an every nation church, that'll be on the wall, that'll be on the front. And this is hopefully what the pastors will share on Vision Sunday, is that we are Christ-centered, spirit-empowered, and socially responsible. And then we live this vision from a set of values. And I want to remind us again and redeclare the values that we carry as a family. The values of lordship, discipleship, evangelism, leadership, family, and social responsibility. That's the behaviors we have in this house. So this house exists to make Christ the center, to be spirit-empowered, and be socially responsible. And then within the house, the whole family aligns to values. And that determines how we do ministry. It's the lens and the behavioral conduct through which we do everything that we do. And I want to point to us again this morning that lordship is the bedrock. It's the foundation. It's what I just shared out of Colossians 1. He is the head of church. Jesus came to save us, but he's not only savior, he's also Lord. We bow our knees in adoration and we say, yes, master, we are here to serve your purposes. It says in Colossians 2, verse 8, therefore, as you have received Jesus as Lord, so walk in him as Lord. We've got to know that lordship is where it starts. And out of that, all the rest come. Discipleship is about making disciples who make disciples. And we do it relationally. We do it through relationships. We don't do it through systemized practices and programs, but it's relational. Evangelism, it's a heart for those who's not part of the household of God yet. And to take every effort that we do to go and share the gospel message with them. Leadership, this is important. Leadership is something that God designed for his church. But he also speaks about a plurality of leadership. It's not up to one man or a group of men and women to know what leadership is and to live in it. It's for everyone. So we believe in a multiplication of leadership. And especially this year, it's going to be a point of focus where many more of you are going to be raised up as leaders. Family is a value. Spiritual family. We are one in Christ. We are together, brothers and sisters, and natural family. Family is the glue of ministry. It's when we lead our families well and we've got healthy households, then the household of faith will be healthy. That's when God says, when elders and deacons are appointed, make sure that their houses are in good order because it's from that strength that they lead. And then social responsibility. We here in South Africa are surrounded by need. And Jesus brought a gospel that not only addresses spiritual need, but physical need as well. It's the proclamation of the good news and the demonstration by being socially responsible to our world. So that's our values. You've heard this endlessly, but the vision that God has for his church never changes. And if we think vision has become boring, we've got to take a deep look in the word of God and in the mirror of our lives and ask ourselves why. We don't need a new thrill or a new experience. We need to simply go back to what he said from the start. And that's what we believe we as a church are specifically. And then how do we do this? And this is where mission comes in. In this house, we live the vision and the values through the mission of devotion, demonstration, and discipleship. And as we found in Acts chapter 2, the first century church, the very first expression of church since Jesus left and he gave the mandate to men on earth to take the gospel it started with devotion. They devoted themselves to his word, to his worship, to his body, fellowship, and to prayer. 
So this is the starting point for us and everything we do, it's about devotion to Jesus. We are devoted to his word, not a secondary and a third or a fourth idea of his word, the idea that he gave us at the very start. That's what we are devoted to. We are devoted to one another. We get together in the week, we pray together, we have communion, we get into one another's lives, we challenge one another to become better men and women, we sit together around the word, we are devoted to his worship, the gathering around the cross of what Jesus has done, the breaking of bread, where we celebrate again and proclaim again his death until he comes. Are we devoted to prayer? Is our prayer life something that we get up in the morning, we spend time with him? that we talk to him throughout the day, that before we think, maybe I should do this or this, I pray and I pray and I fast and I seek him until there's clarity on how I should do it. Devotion, it's the mechanics of ministry. It's my walk with Jesus, it's your walk with Jesus, it's your time with him, it's your prayers, it's your fasting, it's your seeking his face, and then it's us seeking him together. Nowhere in the first church that they set times for an hour and a half to pray. They just walked into homes and said, now we're praying. And prayer happened. And it never stopped. Demonstration is what God then does through us. It's when we devote ourselves to him, then God comes and through us, he demonstrates his power. See, so after they devoted themselves, the first thing that happened was a demonstration of the fear of God. Everyone was filled with fear. Phobos is the word that's used there. A sense of, wow, God, you're holy. You are incredibly holy. I want to be holy like that. So all of them were filled with that sense of awe. And then out of that came signs and wonders. Spiritual gifts were active in the life of the first church. And then thirdly, there was a unity, a demonstration of unity. You know what is one of the most supernatural things in this earth is that people in a room like this who are completely different can actually get together and be united around one thought and concept, and that is Jesus. That even though sometimes we differ in our view of things, we are united because of him. The Bible teaches that unity in Ephesians comes from him, but it's our role to maintain it. It's our job to make sure that we remain in unity with one another. And in the fourth demonstration that we see in the first church is generosity. They sold their assets and they brought the money to the leaders and the leaders distributed it so that everyone could have food on their tables. So we devote ourselves to Jesus. There'll be some amazing demonstrations. And in the third point that we find in this first church is the idea of discipleship. And God added to their number daily those who were being saved. And they were added and they were taught what it is to walk in the way, as they called it in the first church, the way of following Jesus. So who are we specifically? Christ-centered, spirit-inspired, socially responsible. We live from the values of lordship, discipleship, evangelism, leadership, family, and social responsibility. And we are devoted to Jesus. We dynamically demonstrate his kingdom in this world and we make disciples. That's what Every Nation Sums West is all about. Can we carry that vision? Can we be stewards of that vision again this year? Can we make sure that that's how we align our hearts to this specific house? Now I wanna to get to the second part which got me really fired up. How God sees his church. The big idea. We talked about our little idea here, but what is the big idea? And we're gonna look in Ephesians chapter three to see exactly how he sees his church. I've gotta ask you a question. 
do you come to church and do you go to life group and you do you live church with the same old expectation every single week? Or do you come ready and say, God, you have got far greater love and far more power available for your church. And I'm gonna show you from scriptures this morning, and this is what I'm titling my message, far greater love, far more power. That's what is available to his church today. And we're gonna see it from the words of Paul, that we can't even begin to imagine with that what he still wants to do through us. Our vision is left out in a few words, but goodness, if we align this to God's idea, it's got far greater love and far more power involved. So let's read together Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10 to 21. So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I'm suffering for you, which is your glory. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and the height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we can ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Yes, that's a glorious idea. That is big. That is massive. It's much grander and larger than our few words that we as every nation sums of West ascribe to in our vision. And if we can have one purpose here this morning is that you are refired with an expectation and a greater expectation as that of his church. Some of you might have come through seasons where you viewed the church as something small or insignificant, where there has been hurts or disappointments. If you go into a restaurant and you eat a steak, does, and you don't like the steak that much, okay? Here's the deal. You go in, you're really in the mood for a steak, you have the steak, and it's just not that good. Does it affect the nutritional value of the steak? So why do we let our experience of church diminish the value of it? It still carries the same value in his world. It still carries the same power in the way he sees us, and it's far greater than what we could ever think or imagine. And you know what? Some of us have gone through those experiences, or some of us go through the motion of Sunday after Sunday, and we lose out on the nutritional value because we've got a lesser view of his church. And this morning, I want to raise our view of the church of Jesus Christ, hopefully through his words, to the level that he sees it. So Paul says four beautiful things about the church of God. First of all, he says, the church is the glorious church for the glory of God. 
The church is the glorious church for the glory of God. When Jesus thinks of his bride, that's us. He has the highest, most intimate, glorious idea of who we are. I read a book the other day, and the pastor goes on about how people diss the church. And he asked a question, would you walk into a conversation with a man that's about to be married and tell him how stupid his bride is? Yet we live in a world where it's just the order of the day. Yeah, the church this and the church that. In God's view, the church is glorious. And the church is for the purposes of his glory. You know what? We just read it, and it's here again. So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known. Where does God make known his manifold wisdom according to the scripture? In the cosmic world. So get this, God thinks so much of his church and thinks it's so glorious that he would pull it out into the cosmic world, into the galaxies, amongst the stars, into all the authorities and the places where the devil might be and his, his, his demons might run around and there's angels and there's God in his kingdom. And he says, you know what, I want to show my manifold wisdom. Let me pull up the church. He could have paraded the stars or the galaxies or the earth. He could have brought the animal kingdom because there's no fighting, well, other than eating one another, but he chose us. He chose this as the way to show the cosmic world his manifold wisdom. The word manifold is diverse in color. So think about that, this idea, and this idea globally happening across the world today, or whether it's a Saturday night or a Wednesday, doesn't matter. This idea is his design. And we've got to get back to the design of the church. This is his design to show the cosmic world and this earth that is part of it exactly how glorious he is. So do we walk in such a manner? Do we wake up thinking about the church and his body and his bride? And we say, yes, this is the most beautiful thing. It's through that that his wisdom is displayed. And do you for one moment think that God don't know that sometimes people are gonna miss it and make mistakes? But that's why the church is all centered around the cross of Jesus. Because we get to show back to that even though we are fallible human beings and he chose us to show the cosmic world his manifold wisdom. It is all still found in the grace that we received at the cross. Have we lowered our display of his color to this world? by having a lower view of his glory and by showing his glory in a lesser way. Secondly, the love of God for the church goes beyond understanding. First of all, he designed the church to show his glory. And then when he thinks about the church, the scripture we just read said, what is the breadth and length and height and depth to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge? I thought about this. If you think last Sunday you experienced the love of God, he says, you haven't even comprehended there's more. If you think the last time you met with brothers and you prayed together and you were so in awe of how God loves you, he says, you haven't even felt half of it, there's more. You see, Paul actually prays for strength, the ability to comprehend this love that he has for us. And the, user, the, the reason he uses these words is to actually tell us it's incomprehensible. 
So when we think of the church, do we sing or do we see a God who sings over it with love and affection? Do we see a God who looks at us and he just thinks we are absolutely exquisite and beautiful? So much so that he uses us to show his glory to the world. Sometimes we lose this. This is the feel of what we do, is the love of God for us. And I wanna link this with our specific vision. This speaks about God devotion back to us. See, there it is. We're a church that's about devotion. God first showed himself being devoted to us. Devotion is written in this idea of church, how he loves us, how he sees us. And he says, you have no idea of what is still available. Will you trust me or will you limit me in your idea of that? I am devoted to you in an amazing way. God keeps on saying, here's more love. Here's more of it. Here's more of it. I know you need it. Here's more of it. Will a dad who is a good father ever tell his child, you know, you've had enough? Really, I want you to get this. I'm 35 years old. I've known Jesus intimately since the age of 13. And honestly, it keeps getting better. It never runs dry. It never gets old. I believe that for however long he chooses to have me on this earth, that there's more love available for me to discover as I pursue him. So if you've given up on that, let that be rekindled in you today that you haven't seen the end yet. Your idea of the gospel and your experience of it is very limited. There's far more that he has for you. And then the next thing he says, there's far more power. The power of God over the church goes beyond our imagination. He says this, now to him who is able to do immeasurably So in other words, we can't measure it more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that it is at work within us. Not only is there far greater love, but there's far more power. And in this verse, I want to point you to a very important word, and it's the word we. To him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. The context of this letter is written to a church, a gathering of saints. And in the same way, we claim the scripture. There's immeasurably more than what I can ask, think, or imagine. It is important to know that we figure this out in the we church, not the I church. But he's saying, because the scripture after this says, now to God be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus. Not in the individual and in Christ Jesus. So if you want to see God do far more abundantly more than what you can ask, think, or imagine, it'll happen here. It'll happen in this community. Some of us might say, yes, God has been amazing in 2018. He sent us to six nations. God is saying, I've got far more power. I wanna send you to 60. Some of us might say, you know what, God, you came through and I prayed for someone, they got healed. God said, you know what, that's one healing. I want you to pray for 100 people and see 100 healings. There's far more power. God says, you know what, you are happy with multiplication of 10 life groups. I've got 40, 50, 60 life groups ahead of you. Whatever you think has shown the power of God to you, the Bible says there's immeasurably more available to us, his church, but it's within the church that he displays that. Some of you might say, yes, God, I trusted you and I gave 100,000 rand last year. He says, will you trust me for a million? Will you trust me for 10 million? Because I can do far more exceedingly abundantly through you and through my power if you let me. You see what I'm trying to get at? 
There's more. Once we think, okay, we've arrived. Okay, church is the way it should be. God's saying, no, 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 there's more. And I want to take a moment to share an exciting update with you today. We think, God, you have one full Beaumont service for us. God says, my children, I've got far more. How about two? So in April this year, this is going to multiply to two services. Isn't that amazing? And don't let the enemy come and tell you like, oh my goodness, it's going to be so difficult. Now we've got to get up. You know what? We've got leadership and strategy to help us make sure that we do it in a way that we're not burning anyone. And that's the promise I make today. But God has got far more power available here. Far more. Far more people being added to his kingdom that is out there in this community that we've got to go and reach and step into their lives and say, Jesus loves you. I'm going to take you to church because I love you enough. I care more about how you feel on judgment day when you see Jesus than I care about how you feel now and me stepping into your life. Far more power is available. Think about this for a moment. If Paul was the pastor of this church, what would he say? Because this is what he's saying to the church. I'm going to read something that I read this week. If Paul were pastor of every nation sums the West, I think that every time he lifted his eyes to heaven, that he would see God saying, I can do more in this church than you have yet asked or thought. And so Pastor Paul would ask for power and then launch into a new venture of obedience. And then he would look up again and God would say, I can do more. And Paul would ask again, and launch another new ministry, and then look up and God would say, I can do more. And each time he stretched himself in faith beyond what he thought is possible in the church, and the response of God would always be the same. I can do more, I can do more, I can do more. When you think of every nation comes to waste, you say, yes, God can still do so much more. That's what I believe in here. Can we be a people who live like that, coming with an expectation like, God, we've only seen the start. It's only the beginning. Some of us got to shake up some old thinking because we've limited him. He's saying, my people, you have no idea. Be like that horse who breaks loose from opinion and concepts that's bridling you and run because I have far more power available to you. That's the way he wants his church to function. And then it ends with the final thought. I love what he says. He says, I pray for this reason, I kneel before the Father, and then he prays everything, and he ends his prayer with the thought that the fullness of God might be with you and in you. I really believe it's a year of fullness. If there's one word that, say some of you bring me to gunpoint, like, Pierre, we want a word. We know that you don't do the one word thing, but if there's a word, what would the word be? I'm like, okay, the word is fullness. <laughs> it's a little joke. You guys are allowed to laugh. But I really believe there's a fullness for us as a church. I really believe he's done a lot of work in preparing us and setting us up, but there's a fullness awaiting. And this year, we're gonna step into more of that. It's what Paul prays for the church in Ephesus, that you would be in the fullness of God. And it's in this fullness of far greater love, far more power that God does something. And this is what he does. It's the continuation of the church throughout all generations. He concludes this piece of passage with these words to him be the glory in the church throughout all generations forever and ever amen the design of the church the devotion and love we have for God and he for us 
his endless demonstration of power through us as we devote ourselves to him is gonna be a message throughout endless generations. And this simply speaks about making disciples and discipleships. That your children and your neighbor and their children and their children's children can become part of this vision of God's church that throughout all generations, he will be praised. You see, there it is. Devotion, demonstration, discipleship. It's when we devote and he demonstrates that more people are gonna say, you know what, you have something that we need. We wanna start following Jesus. And then we make them mature disciples who make other disciples. Do you get this? I'm, I'm, I still want a massive shout or something here this morning. Like, if your view is still there, come, let's be honest. Anyone this morning? Ach, you know what? Seven o'clock, life group is at 30 minutes. I can do without it. Netflix. I'm not judging. I'm saying you're missing out on something glorious, something that he carries, that he sees, that he's inviting you into, where he wants to display far more power than you could ever imagine. So I want you to raise your view of his church this morning. I think it's impossible to get it to exactly the point that he sees it. In fact, Paul said it's, we can't imagine it. Can't even think it. But I pray for strength that you at least try and comprehend. Don't know if you guys have ever done this, but I often try and comprehend eternity. Have you ever tried and do that? Just close your eyes and focus your mind on the idea of something that never ends. And then it keeps going. And, it, and then... At some point, my brain breaks. I'm just like, okay, can't do it anymore. You see, that's how he wants us to think about his love for us. Is God so there's more love? Okay, wow, there's more? Sheesh, you love me more than all the things you've already shown me? You love us as your church and your bride more than any idea I've ever had? Okay, God, I once went to this church and that was amazing. Is that, is that more than that? Is God at one service where we sang and we couldn't stop singing and we cheered. You say there's more than that? And every time I sing, yes, there's more. Okay, God, you, you know what? I, I never thought that our church could, could do this or that. Or You know what? We sent 400 people on a just one Sunday over two times together. God says, you know what? I want to see a thousand people go because I want to do more through my power. And there's this constant drive for greater faith that he can do more through us and I'm going to encourage us with the final words of Apostle Paul so he speaks about the church he gives them the context and he says you know what there's far more and then he ends this passage with a doxology I don't know if you know what a doxology is it's a big word for a simple thing it's a song of praise so after everything he says he ends with a song of praise and this is what he says I'm going to now praise God. Now to God who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power at work within us. To Him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. And Paul praises and he keeps on praising and he writes it in such a way that when the churches would read it like, yes, we want to praise God. And I want to end with this quote. And may this quote stir you this morning to a praise in a God that's got far more power and far more love available. When the massive weather front of God's love meets the massive weather front of God's power, 
it produces a hurricane of confidence called Gloria, a powerful doxology. To Him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Let's praise God together this morning.